Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and wherever you find your favorite podcast, I hope BTSC is one of them and any of our 22 original podcasts every single week. There's something for everybody, so make sure you check it out. I hope you had a chance to check out Let's Ride this morning. Another great one with Jeff Hartman and his Friday guest, Jerome Betts. His name's really Jeremy, but Jeff doesn't care about giving names. It's the names he wants to give you. And someone that he hasn't given a full name to because he originally gave the name to himself, formerly known as Cliff Harris is still a punk or Chizap. It is my good friend KT Smith. What is going on, Kevin? Wow, just getting uh, myself excited for another Steelers Ravens showdown, and um, still pretty stoked about the way things wound up uh, in that Raiders game. That was that was pretty exciting, and and I'm I'm really excited about the way Kenny Pinnett, Kenny Pickett was able to finish that game, and you know the growth that that showed in him. So I think that, you know there's a lot to be excited about right now with the Steelers. Let me ask you this, and I haven't asked many people this question yet, but it made me think, because if you're looking at the first three and a half quarters of Kenny Pickett, where are you grading him? And then, of course, that last drive's an A+. But does that make everything go away, Kevin, because it's showing growth and it's showing what you can do with the right personnel and the right plays? Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I, I think it's easy to look at the first three and a half quarters and be critical. There's a lot you can pick apart. You can look at the interception he threw, which was a bad interception and, um, and a product of, of something that's an area where he has struggled all, all season long, which is coming off of one read and onto another one and, and really ha- things happening, probably happening a little too fast for him and him not being able to get his mechanics straight. And this is all stuff that he's going to have to play himself out of. And as he gets more experience, he's going to have to grow beyond those types of mistakes. But if, if you focus on the first three and a half quarters and you let that define you or you let that define your evaluation of Kenny Pickett, then I think that's sort of a, you know, missing the forest for the trees type scenario, because what happened in those final three minutes, that drive to win the game and specifically that, that rope that he threw to George Pickens for the winning touchdown is it weighs so much more in terms of his overall development than those first three and a half quarters did. I mean, that, that, that drive at the end in a high pressure situation on a night. I mean, let's be honest, man, this wasn't any game. This was a night that meant a lot to Steelers fans everywhere. The emotion was in the stadium. There's a bunch of Steelers alumni on the sideline. That was a game that the Steelers need to win because of the emotion and, and because of, of honoring Franco, et cetera. And so there's an awful lot of pressure on Kenny Pickett's shoulders when he goes out there for that final drive and he delivers. And that says a lot about him. And so, yes, there's a lot of areas where he needs to improve as a professional quarterback. But one thing we've already seen from him is that he has moxie uh, and he's got a clutch gene. And you can't say that about a lot of quarterbacks. So for me, that was a huge moment and really, really uh, makes me excited about the future for this quarterback. Does it also make you wish that the Steelers had two more games besides the final two that they have? I'm having so much fun watching them this year. Uh, might sound strange for a team that started two and six. and But, you know, but this for me, this year was never about the results in 2022. I, I didn't. I didn't think the Steelers would be a playoff team heading into the season with the quarterback position in transition and uh, so many young guys in the lineup. And you just really looked for growth and you're seeing a lot of it. There's just, there's a lot to be optimistic about with, with this Steelers team. And I know that a lot of people get focused on the coordinator and the play calling and those types of things. And, and those are issues for sure. But when you look at what's happening on the field, regardless of what's happening with the X and O's and you look at what's happening on the field, the Steelers are improving. And most significantly their, their marquee draft picks of the last couple of drafts are really improving. When you look at the number one and two picks of the last two drafts, Pickett, George Pickens, uh, Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth, those are four young stars that are developing. And maybe it's a little soon to call Pickens star, but he's certainly, uh, he's certainly starting to show that he can be a franchise quarterback. And so when you, have, when you, you know, begin to uh, see the development of those young guys, you can begin to see the cornerstone of the future of the franchise uh, in place. And that's really exciting. So, yeah, you said two games, three games. Well, you know, I, I just wish they'd keep playing because I'm having fun watching them. I would love to see this team in the playoffs just because – there's a little bit of uh, there's a whole lot of moxie in Kenny Pickett, but true or false, this team, this offense was a complete offense on that final drive. 
I would I would say true with a caveat. And and by complete, I think what we have to when we look at that last drive, one thing you have to understand is Kenny Pickett did a great job of taking what Vegas gave him. Vegas played a, a specific coverage. They they played soft zone. They played a little bit of Tampa two. Tampa two is where you play two deep safeties who who bail uh, wide of the hashes and and are really concerned with taking away deep routes up the sideline. While while you have a linebacker who sinks into the deep middle uh, and runs with seam routes and and essentially buys time for the safeties to recover and get back to the middle of the field if they need to. Uh, but when you play Tampa two, there's some soft underneath stuff available there. And we saw, we saw Kenny Pickett check the ball down to Najee Harris on numerous occasions in that drive, uh, not get greedy, not, not panic, not say to himself, you know, I, I got to make plays down the field here. He really understood the situation and, and he understood that there was plenty of time and he was good. Just sort of checking the ball down and, and let Najee Harris make yards after the catch and, found Pat Fryermuth on a couple of big throws when he got flushed out of the pocket. Uh, and then obviously the touchdown, man, the touchdown's a great example of recognizing coverage. I, I mean, uh, Pickett and George Pickens both did a great job of understanding that uh, they were getting man coverage with, with safety help, but, but again, the safeties were wide. And for some reason, the guy covering Pickett was shading him outside. And so, you know, uh, or Pickens, I should say, was shading him outside, and and the and the safety help was all the way to the opposite hash, and so they realized, hey, the middle of the field's open, and and they were they were all on the same page, and Pickett looked as decisive as he as he's ever looked, man. He he took a three step drop, that that third foot hit, and boom, that ball was out, and he put it right between the numbers. So so yeah, I, in terms of of them being able to operate the offense based upon what the defense was giving them, I think it was fantastic. Well, let me ask you this. Najee Harris catching the football, he not was he was not only pulling them in, but he had the most targets. For Najee to lead that team in targets is a pretty big deal because we haven't been seeing that a whole heck of a lot this year. Right. He and again, he was the guy open in, on all those drives. He was the guy or on all those throws on that drive. There was linebackers bailing, Najee was checking down, and Pickett was taking it, and that was, and that's the right thing to do. Had had they played a non-Tampa two look and and left the the backer there, then maybe you would have seen the, the the hook curl zone open up a little bit more, and maybe those throws would have gone to Pat Fryermuth instead, or or to a slot receiver posting up in in the hook curl zone. So you don't know. It's it just all depend. You know, in that instance, um, Pickett realized that Najee was his best option, and. And I really liked that from, from Kenny Pickett. It wasn't really a matter of let's get the ball to Najee. It was a matter of, you know, Najee's what's available. And that's growth. And Najee does have 11 career receptions against the Las Vegas Raiders. After uh, getting six, five last year, he got six this year. Uh, really interesting to watch. And when he gets going, He's dangerous, and we saw him pull in, I think, 15 against the Bengals, and the Bengals could be a possibility in the playoffs if the Steelers somehow eke in. You know, it's interesting. It's not – I think their their percentage, uh, the, the the chance that they have to make it is, is hovering somewhere between 2 and 4%, which is obviously a really, really small number. But when you look at some of the things – 
you know, the the scenario for let's say this coming week. And this coming week, the Steelers have to win in Baltimore. Certainly doable. Uh, the game, you know, it doesn't matter. You, they could play in in Pittsburgh. They could play in Baltimore. They could play on the moon. This is going to be a one score game. So, so this is going to be a close game. Certainly winnable. Then the Jets need to lose in Seattle, which is certainly a possibility. The Jets are, I think, back to Mike White at quarterback, but they've been on a quarterback carousel. White hasn't played in a couple weeks. And then you got to go into Seattle, which is always a tough place to play. And Seattle still has significant playoff hopes. So, so there's a certain possibility that the Jets could lose. And then the Dolphins need to lose in New England. And again, that they're playing without Tua. He's he's out with a concussion. So so they'll be on their backup quarterback going into New England to play the Patriots at home who still have playoff hopes. Uh, so it's really, really interesting when you when you look at those three scenarios that need to happen this week, they're all very, very possible. And then you get, you know, then then you go into week week 18 still alive. And and we just we saw it last year, right? Anything could happen at that point. Yeah, Jacksonville beating Indianapolis was not supposed to happen. Right. Uh, next week, the Bills would have to beat the Patriots, and the way it's shaping up, everybody's going through that for that number one seed, so nobody's resting. So yep. that's a game you look at, and the toughest game is would be the Patriots would have to lose next week. But once again, I'm sorry, it is the Bills and Patriots. Excuse me. Um, then you would have to have the Dolphins lose to the Jets. But if two is not back and we've seen what Mike White can do. Yep. So yeah, and that game's in New York. And so, right. Like it's a lot of pieces that have to fall into place. And I think that's why the percentage is so low, but, but it wouldn't be surprising if they all did. I mean, logically you can look at it all and say, Hey, this could all happen. Absolutely. It's, it's good. We never thought we were going to have this interesting of a scenario coming up to these games. We did not, everybody, when they realized right around the Buffalo, the Miami game, I guess the Philadelphia game, when they realized that this was a really bad start and everybody was talking about a top draft pick, nobody thought that we would be cheering for a team that has a possibility to make the playoffs um, at this juncture in week 17 and uh, possibly in week 18. So that's really exciting. And for a team that's supposed to be rebuilding, Kevin, this right. is a rebuilding team. But we, when you're rebuilding and have the possibility to have a nine and eight record on your rebuild, that's pretty significant because that jump between year one and year two for a lot of players is big. I would expect that to be for Kenny Pickett. I would expect that to be for a guy like George Pickens. And I would, I really think Connor Hayward is going to turn into a weapon. No, I agree. I agree. And, and he's really earned the coaching staff's trust. And you know that that's true because on that final drive, he was on the field for several plays and then after the uh, Cam Sutton interception, got the ball back for the Steelers with about 30 seconds left, uh, they gave the ball to Hayward. They let Hayward har- carry it on that jet sweep. I mean, that's you want to talk about trust, man. Uh, giving him the ball in that situation when the game you know, was not yet fully clinched speaks volumes about how much uh, you know, they, they have come to, to respect him and, and value him. So, so those are all – yeah, I mean, that's why – if the Steelers could find a way to get into the playoffs, the, ex- the experience that all those young guys would get, regardless of the result, obviously, obviously you want them to win, but who knows, man, maybe they draw Cincinnati, maybe they go to Cincinnati and, 
and they lose by three touchdowns. All right, fine. It would be disappointing. It would kick up a whole nother world of, you know, fire Mike Tomlin. He can't win in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. There'd be a ton of that conversation. Um, but the experience that the young guys would get, the confidence that they would have gained by rallying from two and six to make the playoffs and then to go into a hostile environment uh, on the road and, and play a playoff game. And, and the, the lessons that you learn from that, the intangibles you take from that are, are invaluable. Uh, it would go such a long way towards building on for next season. So, so, you know, the heck with the draft picks, man, let's, let's full steam ahead. Everything that they can do to get into the playoffs would be awesome. And here's something really interesting to look at, Kevin, you know, we expect the Chicago bears to keep losing, <laughs> but there's a possibility that the Houston Texans win it one more time in two games. And if that happens, the bears get the number one overall pick, which is great, which means the Steelers get the number one overall pick on day two. Yeah. And where, where Pittsburgh has been accustomed to drafting over the last, well, I mean, really over the last 18 years or so since Ben Roethlisberger arrived is near the end of the first round, which which essentially means that, that they're they're going to have two first round picks, and uh, that's exciting. So yeah, because good talent, yeah, good young talent in the building right now, and the potential for more on the way. That is a first round pick. You know why? Miami why? forfeited their number one pick, so the Bears pick the number one pick of round two is pick number thirty two. Mm. A lot of good football players available. Pick number 32. Absolutely. And how fun is it? We always talk about this. Uh, you know, they start the mock drafts again um, right after the first round ends. And everybody's jockeying to uh, move up at the to the beginning of round uh, two. And uh, it would be awesome to have that that top pick to get the guy that you want at the top at the top of round two. Because was, you, you have first pick. Have been- yeah, Steelers have been really good drafting in round two as well. And so the notion that you could maybe trade out of that 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 pick right there, that 32nd pick, and pick up another number two or, or a high number three, something along those lines, and then get you know two or three number two picks, uh, that's fantastic. I mean, that really at this point, again, with this sort of young nucleus that the Steelers are building, uh, bringing on, you know, pot, patching up some of the weak spots that they have on – the offensive and defensive lines or at corner or at inside backer with high level draft talent is invaluable. And then they're going to have, they're going to have a lot of cap money. So they're going to be able to, you know, bring in some veterans too to, to accent the young talent, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We, we definitely are, but still it's exciting to talk about. It's, it's an exciting, I, I just, I feel, I feel bad for Steelers fans who are mired in misery because this isn't a Super Bowl season. Uh, I know mean, there's, there's young fans out there. I guess I, I'm going I'm to walk that back a, a step. I get I get the younger fans who are starting to feel frustrated. You know, if, if you are like 25 years old right now, uh, the Steelers haven't won Super Bowl since you were, uh, you know, basically a kid, like a nine or a ten year old, and 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 you get antsy. You know, you you get that you start to feel a little bit like you and I felt uh, as as the as the streak went on. You know, through throughout the '80s and '90s, the Steelers not being able to win a Super Bowl. It ended up being 26 years before they won the the fifth one, and 
And yeah, I'm sure you and I, as we went through all those years, we, we got, uh, we got a little frustrated at times, but, but I just hope that people will enjoy this team. This is a, this is an exciting team and they're building an exciting future. And the, and Pickett's progress is the thing that has me more excited than anything else, because that's the number one building block. You know, you need the quarterback in place. And I'm not going to go so far as to say he's it. He's the franchise guy. I think we, we need to see a little more from him, but he's certainly showing signs that he can be. And when you've got ice water running through your veins, which I think it's safe to say that Kenny Pickett does not get rattled easy, then you have a lot to be excited about. For sure. For sure. And that, as I said earlier, that's the thing I'm most excited about. The way he handled himself in that drive speaks volumes for where he's headed as a quarterback. Well, let's talk about the defense, and we're going to do that when we come back. Right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. It's Ravens Week, part da. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The worst looking man you've ever seen. And there I am on the subway train. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I am the podcast producer here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And with me is the coach. Man, I tell you what, a highly decorated coach. But when it comes to Steelers, X's and O's, I don't want to go to anybody else. I sit back. You can't see me when I do this, Kevin. I just sit back, put my hands on my head and lean back in my chair and let you roll because you put on a clinic each and every week. And I thank you for that. Well, thank you, man, for the work that you do around here. I I hope I can take some weight off your shoulders. (laughs) Well, this is this is a, a fun show and I get to spend every single week with my buddy here so i appreciate it let's talk about those de- that defense because the defense had a really good game they had a, we know they were inspired we saw cam hayward looked 10 years younger and he just looked menacing he looked like aaron donald out there he did he had uh he had a sack early in the game that reminded me of did you ever see the old clip of reggie white when he like literally throws Chris Carter into the quarterback to sack the quarterback. Yes. Yes. You know, he just, he uses Chris Carter as a projectile to like knock down the quarterback. Um, and by the way, any scheme where Chris Carter is blocking Reggie white is a bad scheme. 
But, yeah, and, um, and keep in mind they were teammates before that, and there was probably some angst in there too. Even <laughs> though, even though he was a reverend, he was a he was a man of faith and a man of God, but he had no problem whipping. Because no. I have a feeling Chris Carter that was back in the the days when good players did not get cut, and he got cut because he was well, Chris. He was Chris Carter. <laughs> But yeah, man, uh, Cam Hayward had a had a a play like that where, but he he was tossing an offensive lineman into Derek Carr's lap, and so so speaking of Derek Carr, uh, this is fantastic. This is the second time this year where an opposing team has benched their quarterback following the Steelers game. So I'm gonna correct you. Second time in three weeks. Yeah, in three weeks, correct. Yeah, <laughs> Atlanta, right? Yes. Marcus yep. Mariota. Fantastic. So obviously the Steelers are presenting some things to some teams uh, that are, that are difficult. I mean, they're, they're getting some good play up front uh, ever since they, I think the Steelers defensive front was embarrassed by what happened against the Ravens a few weeks back. And they've certainly played with more. I'm not going to use the word pride because you can never tell. I don't I don't ever want to, try to get inside somebody's head and heart. You don't know exactly what goes on there, but they certainly looked against the Ravens the first time around. Like they, they had had enough of doing the hard work in the trenches to try to defend that Ravens run game. They, they, they sort of got beaten down both physically and mentally in that game. It appeared anyway. And, and they have responded the last couple of weeks since that Ravens loss, the defense has been tremendous uh, taking away the run you just, to see what Carolina did in the run game uh, last week against Detroit. Oh my Detroit. gosh, they they beat up Detroit. Yeah, and the Steelers a week a week prior held them to forty some yards rushing, and so you know from might may have even been less than that, right? So so from the Steelers totally shutting down Carolina's run game, the next week Carolina goes out and runs for like three hundred fifty yards. Um, they're playing darn good up front, so I think it's a combination of of, of some some really good scheme stuff. Uh, and and just some inspired play ever since the the embarrassment against Baltimore. Now it does not look like you're going to see Lamar Jackson again. Now, as of Thursday, we're we're doing the show of the show uh, premieres Friday at noon, and we have not heard from practice yet. But as of Thursday, Lamar Jackson was not a participant whatsoever. It, it almost feels like it's going to be Tyler Huntley. Again, and we saw what they did with Tyler Huntley last time. They were they were able to control that game, but like you said, they controlled the game in the trenches, but on both sides. And we've seen better play from the Pittsburgh Steelers on the offensive line. We saw great play on the defensive line the last two weeks. So with that being said, how important are those last two games going in to the Baltimore game in Baltimore in prime time for that defensive line to stop that run. Well, huge from a confidence standpoint, had they not responded, had let's say they gone into Carolina the next week and, and you know, the, the Panthers had done something similar, which they obviously showed let, you know, that they're capable of doing. I think it would have been pretty demoralizing as, but instead you got the response that I think Steelers fans would have hoped for. And that sets up a really interesting scenario going into Baltimore because 
obviously the Steelers will look at the film and they'll see where they were exploited against the Ravens. And um, they've got some darn good defensive coaches. I'd be willing to bet that they put together an X no scheme, which makes it a little bit tougher for Baltimore to do what they did in the last contest. So then it'll become a question of what well, does Baltimore have a counterpunch? If, if the Steelers take away Baltimore's plan A, or at least the plan A that they succeeded with in the first meeting, do the Ravens have uh, something else? And, and that's going to be a challenge for them because they're going to be limited with Tyler Huntley. I mean, maybe they've got a different run scheme that they would want to look at that they could exploit, or maybe they're going to use different formations and shifts and try to outnumber the Steelers at the point of attack. Uh, maybe they can do that in the run game. But if they can't, then they're going to have to throw the ball. And so you have Tyler Huntley, who passed for like 92 yards in the first meeting and hasn't shown himself to be much of a threat in any of the starts. And then he's going to be throwing to, you know, now you have Demarcus Robinson, who was a decent receiver. He's out. I mean, the Ravens are listing Sammy Watkins and Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson as their starting wide receivers, which if this were 2015, that'd be great. But, yeah. you know, these are these are not the same guys, you know. So so I'm very, very interested to see what what happens, man. Do the Steelers have uh, an ability to take Baltimore out of their comfort zone and make them win with something other than their downhill run game? For me, that's going to be the big question of the game. Very good. Now let's talk about what the Steelers need to do on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, that's, that is a tough defense and it got better when you brought, brought in a guy like Roquan Smith. I think Patrick Queen, I don't think he gets credit for being as menacing and dominating as he has been. And I know they w- really wanted to bring somebody in, but that's a pretty fierce middle of the field for the Baltimore Ravens. And you throw in the fact that you've got other guys on this team that, uh, that are playing tough. Maybe it's not their secondary. That's, that's as tough as you would think it would be, but you still have Marlon Humphreys and you still have, Oh, that guy that I just can't even stand. I don't even want to say his name. He just pisses me off. <laughs> well, you got Peter Peter's hurt. That's man. him. Yeah. He's hurt. So he might not play. Chuck Clark's getting older. Um, they, yeah, they, they, but the linebackers, like you mentioned, man, they, Smith and Queen wrecked the Steelers in that first meeting. I mean, Smith knocks Pickett out of the game early on a, on a sack. They both wind up with to- just devastating drive killing red zone interceptions in that game. And, you know, your original question was, what do the Steelers have to do on offense? The, the big thing is that you just can't turn the ball over. I mean, they, they had three just, dreadful turnovers in that game uh, that uh, that killed drives. And, you know, that was Mitch Trubisky. And uh, Trubisky had a good response the next week. But I think the, the, the Ravens game was the game where everybody's fears about Mitch Trubisky came true, where, where just you saw the reasons why he didn't succeed in Chicago. And, and to see them happen against the Ravens in a really winnable game was frustrating. So, if the Steelers can take better care of the ball and of course finish drives. I mean, that's just the thing that's dogged them all year long. The Steelers, this is an amazing statistic. The Steelers have more 10 plays, uh, drives of 10 plays or more than any team in the NFL, but they're in the bottom like six or seven. I don't know where they are exactly. I think maybe 28 in points per game. So what that tells you obviously is they're driving the ball. They're moving the ball. They just can't finish. 
So if they can figure out how to finish, that's why, again, I, you know, if we harken back to the Vegas game, that's why that touchdown pass from Pickens Pickens at the end was so satisfying. They finished a drive in a big moment, and they're going to need to do that against the Ravens. And not only that, that was one of the prettiest pass plays uh, on both ends. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was funny. when if you I don't know if you remember when you watched it live, but when I watched it live, the urgency with which he threw that ball made me think one of two things like right like immediately flashed into my head touchdown or interception because usually that's what happens either you know you got him and you just boom you go there or you think you got him and you force it in there and it gets picked so so whether that wound up as a touchdown or an interception i knew somebody was catching that ball it it just it looked from the moment that he threw the ball that he was threading it but i i didn't know i was caught up in the moment but my kids were my kids who were getting all jazzed for Christmas Eve, and they're thirteen and fifteen, you know, so they're not they're not youngsters anymore, as they're not toddlers. But they were they were uh, waiting for me to go and do the post game show, but they wanted to watch it for me, especially my son, who one of his buddies was in the game wearing a, a black and gold Steelers suit and tie, and he was in the end zone, so he was he was looking for him and but the celebration that we had was epic because we're just jumping up and down they scored they scored and it was it was just a great moment yeah and those uh those sunday night games were tough because like you said you had right afterwards you had to do a, a podcast that i immediately got to work on a uh the the steelers article that i would have coming out and i worked on until about two o'clock in the morning and then set everything up for for Christmas morning. So yeah, you got a little three thirty or whatever. So when my daughter pulled me out of bed at seven a.m., I was uh, on like three and a half hours of sleep. I know I I was so tired uh, because I I probably got to bed around three. But I was also after the shows, I was so jazzed up. I was uh, I was excited. Yeah, and yeah, it's a great you, feeling when you have a it game just, like that. That's why you watch, right? That. And that was a that was a drive that we've seen Ben Roethlisberger finish many many times. And, and what was interesting about watching Pickett quarterback that drive is he did some Roethlisberger type things. There were some times where he he escaped out of the pocket uh, two plays in a row actually. Where one time he escapes and he actually throws back across his body to the middle of the p- field to Pat Fryermuth, and you go ah no don't do that you know because that's never never works out. Anytime you go across the body, oh yeah, across and and but but he hits Frymuth, and then the next play he scrambles out and he and he and he threads a beautiful ball to Frymuth on the sideline that 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 Frymuth catches and they review it and uphold it, et cetera. So he did, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger extending plays thing, and it, so it just it felt it had that old, you know, not not that Ben Roethlisberger's old time, but it had like a throwback sense to it. And then on Franco on top of that and Christmas Eve, yeah, how can you not be excited? It was an exciting night. Yeah, I would have loved to have been there, but I would have been frozen. I was listening to what Ian's talking about, and uh, Greg Benevent left the game. He said he didn't stay the entire time, and he lives in Los Angeles. And he was he felt like he was just a popsicle, and they he did not get to see the very end of that game. And uh, you know, he still got to enjoy it, but. I left. I told you this before. I left the uh, Willie Parker game where he broke Frenchie's record that stood for 36 years. You know, I, I, uh, his rushing record in 2006, it was like negative two. And I left because, and I've never left a game because of weather before. But when you're, 
when your core is frozen, you know, there's just, it's hard to do. So those fans that stayed till the very end, I applaud you because when it's that late at night, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. That's hardcore. <laughs> hardcore yeah. for sure. And well, plus when you're older, night. you're like, ah, oh. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, we, we got another Sunday night game and the Steelers being flexed the Sunday night. And that's the thing. And I'm glad you brought that up because when you when people heard about the game being flexed, of course, us at BTSC and Patrick Queen of the Ravens were like, ah, why, why are you doing that? And look, Patrick Queen was not disrespecting the Steelers, even though Pittsburgh media tried to turn that into it. He was like, before you get started, I just don't. I'm going to play at one o'clock. And that's all there is to it. Um, so I don't really feel like there was disrespect, but it's respect to get flexed. Now, there were, there were some games that were protected, Kevin. Uh, I know uh, CBS and Fox both protected games. I know the Lions in Minnesota was one of them. I think the Giants. Are, uh, there were a couple games that were protected. But the Steelers and Ravens were not protected. And why not flex that? That's like every year when ESPN had baseball. You knew you were going to get two or three Yankees Red Sox on Sunday night. Yeah, it just makes too much. I mean, th- that was a no-brainer for the league. You got the other games where they protect them for competitive balance with the playoffs on the line. They don't want teams to be know that they're in or out, et cetera, before uh, the the night game there, and it makes sense. And and then Steelers Ravens always draws a big number that you know it's going to be a great game. The last five meetings, the point differential has been five, four, three, two, and one. Not in that order, but those have been the that's been the point differential in the last five meetings. So you're going to get a great game, and uh, and even even like for example, you know I live in South Jersey and it's a, it's a ton of Eagles fans down here. My buddies who are Eagles fans, they don't necessarily like the Steelers or the Ravens, but they'll watch Steelers Ravens because they know it's going to be smash mouth football, and there's still a, a place in the game for for that kind of stuff, even though. It sometimes feels like you know that that type of rivalry is being replaced with the you know the new breed of football. But yeah, man, the Steelers and Ravens they still get after it. So so put it in prime time. I, I get it. I don't love it either. It means it means a late night for you and me. But, but I, I, I will I will say this to our listeners and anybody that follows us. There's people that are thrilled because they would not regularly get this game possibly. So you're guaranteed to get it when it's in prime time. So for some people, like I know Mark Davison from Steelers touchdown under, you know, in Australia, this means that he could watch the game at noon, his time now. So he's like, yes, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, yeah, and, you know, there's a, there's a, I don't know the personalities of some of the young players on the Steelers. I don't know what, what motivates Pickett or Pickens or Harris or Fryermuth or those, those, those young blossoming stars, but the opportunity to play in prime time and be seen by everybody has got to be a motivator too. If you're, if you're Kenny Pickett coming off of a big time finish in a prime time game, it's another opportunity to get out there and, and show that you're the best quarterback in this rookie class. I, I, you know, I had, I had a chance to watch Tennessee last week and I saw some of Malik Willis. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett is late years ahead of Malik Willis right now. Um, and I've seen Brock Purdy play a little bit out in San Francisco and, and he's, he's playing darn good quarterback, but he's also playing for one of the best offensive minds in the game. 
with a, a boatload of talent around him and, and one of the best offensive lines in the league. So he's in a phenomenal situation. You know, I think people understand that Pickett's in a situation where hmm, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't have that wealth of, uh, you know, talent and ability and even coaching on the offensive side of the ball. So great motivator for him. It really is. And I can't wait to see what he does. There's plenty of guys that you can say could be due to the week. Kenny could be one of them. Fryermuth could be one of them. You know, Najee could be one of them. But I think there's only one, and it's it's got to be this guy. So, Kevin, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm not sure where you're leading me. Are we, are we, go, are we, are we talking about Franco? No, we did Franco last week. That's right. Um, That's so, there Who you got I think the star of the game and the the heart and soul, especially behind the whole Franco thing on the Steelers. Actually, you know, I got to give it to two guys. I have to give it to two guys. And it's the flag bearer and the idea guy for the jerseys. So it will be Pat Fryermuth. But the original guy I was thinking for the way he balled out like crazy, Cam Hayward. Yeah, defensive player of the week. Led the team on the field in Franco's jersey and – uh, I don't know if you saw it on the broadcast, but at the end of the game, he and Mike Tomlin shared a you know pretty pretty good embrace there on the sidelines. You can tell it meant an awful yep. lot to both of them. Yeah, I especially with the podcast that he had the day before with Franco, you know, and he was he's the guy of active players that knew Franco the best. So, yeah. and so I would definitely have to say that it's Cam Hayward for the way he played. Pat Fryermuth played well, but Pat Fryermuth was also the guy. He's a Penn State guy. Franco was a Penn State guy, but he was like, coach, we got to do the Jersey thing. Yeah. Great and idea. Great tribute. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to do that as well. Uh so I'm nominating and uh, you get a chance to second or nominate somebody else, but I'm nominating co co dudes this week, Cam and Pat. Yeah, I'm all I'm I'm with you, and you know I think too. Um, it's, it's when you when you think about the way the Steelers honored Franco, it speaks to the tradition of the franchise. It, there, there's not a lot of teams that have that type of a tradition where where you can pull guys uh, from 50 years ago who are still resonate with such power and uh, and so universally across the NFL and across the country as, as Franco Harris. I mean, one of the things that is cool really for lack of a better word of about being a Steelers fan is, you know, man, you're rooting for like nobility in, in the NFL. You're rooting for a franchise that is just uh, as, as um, you know, well-esteemed as any in the league and, and their history and their roots are so valuable to the league and, it's just cool to know that, man, like, yeah, this is who the Steelers are, and the Steelers respect that, and they honor that, and we saw an example of it last week. And I did not realize how beloved Franco Harris was outside of Pittsburgh, and he really was. But when you think about it, it makes a whole lot of sense because in a league that did not have the overexposure that it has right now in the 1970s, he was he was the glitz and glamour in the face, and I was so glad to see the tributes for, coming from all over. Yeah, he's he's really beloved here in South Jersey. Like we were talking about last week, he went to high school here. There was some really cool stuff on Twitter, Rancocas Valley High, where where Franco went, 
they found some film uh, of him playing high school football at RV wow. and they put it on their Twitter page. So they had all these great old black and white clips of Franco, uh, you know, running over around and through high school kids in 1966 at Rangoka's Valley high school. And we have, we have other legends that we are blessed to still have with us. Um, like a Joe green that's beloved, not just in Pittsburgh, Terry Bradshaw beloved, not just in Pittsburgh, uh, just complete legends of the game. I, I think if you do have a Mount Rushmore of, of Steelers right now that are beloved all over from the seventies, it's probably going to be Bradshaw, Harris, Lambert, and Joe green. (laughs) <laughs> and the great thing about Lambert is, is he's beloved all over and he's also hated all over. Yes. <laughs> and he like, he like Heinz <laughs> and, yeah. and he, totally. re- he loves it. He loves totally. the fact. Yeah. Well, let's get on out of here. Do you have a prediction for this game before? Oh, we man, come on. No, I'm predicting the Steelers to win. They <laughs> you have to, you, you can't not pick them to win this week. I uh, just, it's going to be a close. It's going to be Steelers Ravens and it's going to come down as Steelers-Ravens games often do to the the team that makes the least amount of mistakes and takes advantage of their opportunities the most because in close games, those are the teams who win. So I think, you know, last game, that was that was Baltimore. The Steelers made made the fatal mistakes, and the Ravens were able to capitalize when they, when they could, and uh, I think it'll be switched this time. So, you know, I don't know what the score is going to be, probably something ridiculous like 19-17 to 17 or something like that, but I think the Steelers will pull it out. Yeah, I always take the under, I think, on this game. <laughs> yeah. All right, Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, it's been great once again to be able to hang out to talk about uh, talk about an instant classic. And there's no lie that that's an instant classic. And again, the reason this game this week is going to be flexed is because you're always going to have a classic when it's Baltimore and Pittsburgh, no matter what the venue is. They can play this in, in the middle of... Uh, the potato fields in Idaho and you would have a jam packed house and still so many people watching it in their homes. So with that being said, Kevin, have a great week. Yeah, you too. Can't wait to watch it. Absolutely. And as always, Kevin, I need you to do me a favor. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for those hypocycloids. Mm-hmm.